Welcome to the Rally Point Podcast, where we equip you to support others. I'm Bobby Jackson. And I'm Noah Throw. And today, we're going to be talking about connecting with isolated students. Bobby and I will be discussing students in ministries that are disengaged, uninterested, rebelling against church, just isolated, and what it looks like to focus and pursue them for the sake of ministry. As a youth pastor, there's a lot of times where a student will come into our, our ministry for a variety of reasons and be disconnected. A lot of times, especially when we're working with hurting kids, I remember parents dropping a kid off with kind of that sentiment of youth pastor, fix my kid, and the kid will come in yeah. with their arms crossed. And yeah. And we, we're going to be talking about how do you connect with a kid who clearly does not want to be there. Uh, there's other times where maybe a kid can't connect because they're they're playing sports and so they're only there once a month and they feel like outsiders or, or uh, perhaps they are struggling with a disability or or perhaps they're a pastor's kid and they feel like they're in a category that mm. nobody else is in or perhaps they're a different racial background or ethnic background or mm cultural background or neighborhood background. And so they just mm -hmm. feel like they don't fit in. So those are the kinds of things we're going to be talking about today. How do we connect with kids who are isolated? Yeah, that's a really good point. And well, and you know, I think Bobby, sometimes there's, there's two types of isolation. Sometimes kids self-isolate by choice, whether they're like that student you mentioned who their parents drop them off and they don't want to be there, you know, or they're apathetic or they're just disinterested in church, you know, they're just there for fun. Or sometimes it's the groups they're in um, tend to isolate them just by nature. You know, if it's somebody who's coming in, who's somebody that uh, doesn't really fit the culture of the church. And I think as leaders, we play a huge role in one, reaching out to those students who are self-isolating, whether it's, you know, hurt, rebellion, apathy, disinterest, or uh, we play a role as leaders in creating groups where, you know, all kids feel welcome, regardless of mm -hmm. where they're coming from. It's a big, big part of the role we play as pastors and as mm -hmm. leaders in the church. So let's let's talk at first about kids who are choosing to be isolated. Maybe they don't want to mm -hmm. be there. They're forced to be there. Or uh, maybe they're coming. There's another type of student who's only coming for uh, social reasons or dating reasons or something like that. Oh, yeah. They've they've decided that this is the best uh, fishbowl to fish out of yeah. or, or something like that. So let's talk uh, first, what would you say to a pastor, Noah, what would you say to a pastor if they're talking about students who, who don't want to be there? How, how, how have you gone about connecting with those kids? Yeah, I think it's really important to let the student know that you know that they don't want to be there because if you're not playing this game with them where like you're trying to pretend mm. that it's all fun and we're all cool and you could just be honest with them and be like hey like i'm a pastor like our job is to love and serve and reach people and i know that you don't want to be here and that makes me so happy because i want people to be in church who don't know anything about church and who honestly don't want to hear about Jesus. Part of my mission is to tell people who haven't heard or who don't want to hear about the message of Jesus. And obviously that's coming on a little strong, but I really think it creates some trust when you're just 
really honest with the when student. You name the elephant. Like, you name the elephant. Yeah, when you name the elephant in the room and you're like, you don't want to be here, do you? And then they say, yeah. And then you go, yeah, it's stupid. I'm treating you like you're four years old because we're playing a game with balloons. And like, I know you have real problems. And just that alone can really minimize the tension they feel. And it can really validate them as students. And it can validate, you know, whatever they're feeling. And you don't even have to name what they're feeling. They just trust you inherently because mm -hmm. you're kind of saying, I know you don't want to be here. Have mm -hmm. you experienced that? I mean, have you done that before with students who have just come in kind of whether oh, yeah. it's the parent dropping them off or yeah. Yeah, those are some of my favorite kids. They're with the right techniques. I actually think they're easier to connect with than oh, than absolutely. some of the like, uh, I'm cool, I I fit in, uh, like kid. Uh, but this kid, this this kid's really kind of straightforward to me. If a kid doesn't want to be there, my only goal is to join their team. And uh, so when I get a chance to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them where I tend to go with them is, is try to name the issue from their perspective. And that usually helps me join the team. So if a parent comes in, drops their kid off and says, fix my kid, they're uh, sneaking out at night or they're doing drugs or they're always blowing up in anger, whatever it is that the parent is complaining about. I usually look at the kid and say, wow, uh, it sounds like your mom really thinks that there's, there's an issue here, but uh, I'll bet that's, not the the real story or the full story yeah. and so i'd love to hear your perspective what do you think the issue actually is um and i listen to whatever it is that they say and usually it's complaining about the parent or about having to be at church or something like that and I'll, i where the middle ground tends to be is okay so uh or they'll they may be like an angry kid will often not want to share something right out the gate so they're just i don't know uh and so my response is usually, okay, so your mom thinks there's a problem, but you don't know what the mm -hmm. problem is, or you don't think there's a problem. Isn't the fact that the two of you are not on the same page kind of a problem? Maybe what we could talk about is just how to, uh, how to live in your own house with these differences of opinion mm -hmm. uh, in a way that feels sane, like feels safe, like where you feel like you can, you can cope with and deal with the conflict in your house uh, because if mm. mom's telling you know this sort of statement and dropping you off at church telling your youth pastor to fix you um there's clearly conflict between you and mom yeah so what if we just talk yeah. about that how, how can i support mm. you in that and that act of of finding the issue from the kid's perspective uh usually helps me join the team mm. yeah that's really uh, i mean that's that's a great point and you know, I never phrase it like that, joining the team, but that's such a simple way to, to emphasize what you're really doing there, which is, you know, you're, you're essentially just partnering with the student and making them feel like they're cared for. And I really, yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. I'm curious to hear what you would say about the student who, um, who comes and, you know, it's not that they hate being there. It's not like they're rebellious. They're saying, you know, my mom dropped me off and she doesn't know what she's talking about. I don't need to be here. But maybe the student who's sort of like, you know, I'm kind of okay on my own and I'm, I'm here, but I don't really feel like I fit in, but I don't mind it, who kind of relegate themselves to the sidelines because they feel like they don't belong as a part of the group. Do you join their team in the same way or do you kind of try to get them to be a part of the group? What would you, what would you try to do in that? in that yeah. happenstance. 
Yeah, there's usually some kind of reason that a kid is is doing that. So when I see a, a, a behavior that I would call that I would call socially inappropriate or socially awkward or socially uncomfortable or something like that, where mm. uh, like a, a kid who is clearly and visibly distant from the group, there's a reason that they're visibly distant mm. from the group. So if you mm-hmm. if you're playing some kind of you know youth groupy game and everybody's doing it in one space and you have one kid who's off to the side. Uh, there's got to be some kind of reason. And so I, I do think it's important to identify the reason uh, and and then to kind of work your way back to a connection from there. So it, it is a lot of times like the idea of name it and tame it again. So if the kid is mm, isolated is. because they're hurt uh, by someone else in the group or they had a bad day at home or they don't, like you, you mentioned, they don't feel like they fit in or... Mm this game is dumb or there's a whole bunch of different rationale that the kid would say. Uh, So part of the goal there is like you said, name it. Hey, it really looks like you're, you're not interacting with this game or the group or something like that. Um, Can you help me understand? This is how I usually, I usually use this, this question. Can you help me understand why you you don't feel like you can connect? Um, And a lot of times they might answer the question. Sometimes they might give you that I don't know again. And hmm. um, I, I might just play a guessing game then. Uh, okay, so if I was standing over here watching people over there, here are some of the reasons I might do that. And, and I, might, I might just guess at a bunch of things until the kid feels comfortable enough with my guesses to correct yeah. me and give me the real yeah. answer. So I'd be like, I, you know, I might think, say some ridiculous things mixed in with some real things. I mean, mm. like maybe somebody over there hurt my feelings or maybe I'm afraid of cooties or maybe, you know, <laughs> I'm worried about the the sky falling. And and yeah. so I really don't really care about games right now because I think the whole world is going to mm. end because of COVID and all the things. And so I just don't yeah. really care about that game or yeah. I might just go. I literally I think if you throw a bunch of ideas at, it, at a mm. kid, um, they'll eventually correct you. Maybe mm. they'll have pity on you. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, definitely the pity. Um, but they, you know, when you play that up, you've kind of played. You could play dumb. You could play smart. Yeah. Really try to try really hard to guess their mm. real reason. Um, but it it mm. it doesn't, in fact, matter if you can guess, uh, if you are open to letting them correct you. So it's yeah. I, I think it's it doesn't work to um, to tell them why they're far mm-hmm. away and with con- like being conclusive, but it does yeah. work to ask the question, why are you isolated? And yeah. let me guess. And you, yeah. you correct me if I'm wrong and let them really correct you. If Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that I found that maintaining like a sense of humor with students about yourself really seems to open them up, especially in those situations when they know that, you know, you're not trying to come over and label them as you're the kid on the sidelines because you feel this, this, and this, but really you're just opening up a conversation and you're starting to get just, you know, more preposterous and you're kind of showing them that like, you know what? I don't know what it is. I'm just being ridiculous because the truth is I have no idea, but I care. And so I think it's this weird thing of you're creating that connection by kind of communicating through these preposterous questions sometimes Mm -hmm. or you know getting really um just kind of goofy or silly um but in a very profound way because they realize that 
you know, even though you're being kind of ridiculous, you really want to hear what's going on with them. And it's this weird thing where, like, you're acting so um, not self-serious, but they really Mm -hmm. uh, seem to get this, I don't know, they really seem to sense that, oh, the reason he's being not serious because he really doesn't know what's going on inside me and he really wants to know. So he's continuing to invest even if it's, you know, just out of curiosity. And I think that's a really good point. I, um, I remember sometimes we'd be talking about really serious stuff in, mm-hmm. uh, in one of the ministries that I used to be a part of. And sometimes we'd be talking about like some very difficult trauma or difficult family relationships. And, yeah. um, and sometimes you would be talking and you'd say, well, I don't like this person because, and you name some legitimate reasons, and then you'd start getting more and more preposterous. You say, because they're a witch and they're green and they have warts and they're stupid and they can't fly. And when they fly, they ruin traffic. And, and everyone, that kind of created this levity that allowed people to say, oh, it's okay to be serious, but also a little bit ridiculous. And it created this vulnerability that was really, mm. really unique and allowed students to not feel labeled um, but feel vulnerable and willing to start working through some of those difficult issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, that's naming something that's really true is, is honesty breeds honesty. Vulnerability breeds vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So as leaders, when we really want to connect with these kids who are isolated, it's we don't have the same issues as any of them, but we have our own issues. And as leaders... There's a fine line to balance, uh, uh, but it's a really critical one to be truly mm. honest with them, to not put on a show, to not make them think yeah. that as the pastor, you have it all together. Mm. And when you show off that, yeah, there's things that I have worked through, I am working through, and uh, you, you create this environment of honesty, this environment mm. of vulnerability. Uh, we hope even with this podcast, I think there's times where we're going to come across as like, as if we think we're experts, but there's times where, <laughs> where for Can sure we're we're yeah. struggling through these exact same things, yeah. and so it's yeah. it's critical to ask these questions and to talk about the different Absolutely. kinds of kids that are isolated. Um, mm. But we have our own. Both of us tend to gravitate towards our own kinds of kids that are easier, and mm. and our own kinds of kids that are harder. Um, yeah. So I, I think that might be a really important thing to talk about here too. In in the counseling world, we call it uh, transference and countertransference. But the idea is um, there are past experiences that you have, and past experiences that I have, and past experiences that each kid has uh, that we're going to bring into the current situation. Mm. And. Uh, so because of that, like I was a tennis player growing up and I was a thespian growing up. And so there wow. are kids that I know, I'm sorry. I don't, For uh, youth pastors who may not know yeah. what thespian means, it means lame. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Ouch. No, that's impressive. Uh, no. Anyway, so I was an actor uh, in the actor club at school, mm. uh, thespians. And, um, and so there are kids that I just immediately gravitate towards, right? Mm. Um, and it's not typically the the rebellious kid. It, it tends to be more like the pastor's kid or the smart kid or the um, the the talkative kid or the actor kid. Those are the mm-hmm. ones that I gravitate towards. But the cool guy, the the jock, I, I uh, kid who who like is there only 
like we talked about once out of every four, Mm -hmm. like that kid is really challenging for me um, Mm -hmm. because that was the group that beat me up in high school. Um, That was my brother and he was in a league of cool all his own. And I Mm -hmm. still feel that with some students that, that, that in some sense, my social class is below theirs um, and it makes it really challenging. Mm. And there are, there are other yeah. things that I, that like, as I've gotten further along in ministry have gotten easier, but cultural things, uh, you know, we, we mentioned at the top of the episode, the kids come from different cultural backgrounds or ethnic backgrounds or racial backgrounds. Mm. And, um, it's, it's not always easy to connect with those kids. So what would you, uh, w- what are your thoughts on some of those things? I know, you know, you've, you've always thrived at connecting with kids that I couldn't, uh, Tell us some of your secrets. How do you how do you work with some of those <laughs> those kinds of kids? No, um, well, you know, I think you touched on something really important there, and it's that sometimes um, connecting with students, either our difficulties or our strengths, is actually not so much about the students as it is about us. And I don't mean that in ways of like connecting with a student is all about me, but I mean sometimes when we bring things um, to situations with students, it actually Uh, deters us from really being able to see the student and so I think honestly um, one of the it's funny you say that you know I connected with students that you didn't because I would say the same thing about you as you connected with students (laughs) that I did and so honestly what I tried to do is um, one be really conscious of those things that I bring um, to interactions with students and and really try to go to places where I felt uncomfortable and even join you in conversations with students where, um, you know, you were really thriving. And I said, okay, there's something here to learn. How is he connecting with the student? What does the student seem to enjoy? Because when I see this type of student or this person, again, I want to be able to connect with them. And mm-hmm. so sort of putting those tools in the toolbox of, mm-hmm. you know, Bobby's really good at this. I want to learn. Um, so observing you, but then also I think one thing that I really appreciate about students is that they are they're really willing um to be invested in if you you know if you show them that uh that there's nothing um under the surface you know if you kind of show them that I don't have a second agenda um Mm -hmm. I'm not looking to you know like change you right now in this moment obviously Mm -hmm. we hope that children you know that that students come to Christ and that they grow but um, really when, when you come to them and you're very raw and honest and you sort of say, here's who I am, I, you know, and this is it, you know, and it really, to me, I've seen, you know, there are people who are nothing like me who approach students with that same posture of this is who I am and I love that you're here and students just gravitate towards them because mm-hmm. they know that there's nothing fake, there's nothing inauthentic, they know that there's no agenda, yeah. there's no checklist that they're filling out there's no quota that they have to meet it's literally just somebody who loves seeing the students connecting with them and getting to know them and I've seen that as a really valuable tool to say I feel a little uncomfortable being my complete self with you right now because I know I'm supposed to be a leader and I know there's this idea that I'm supposed to you know do certain things but really when the student walks in the door and I see them Hmm. um, on the fringe and that could be on the fringe being really outgoing or really um, you know, socially isolated. It's it's pretty much about saying, how do I show this person that I really just am excited that they're here, I'm excited mm-hmm. to get to know them, and how do I show them as much of myself as I can so that they know, you know, 
at the end of the night, next week, the following month, I'm going to be the same person. I'm going to be consistent across time for them when they show up. Mm. Um, and I think that's just something that is really important is maintaining that consistency with students yeah. and establishing that consistency, like right when you're meeting them in initial interactions, because if you continue to change, they're, they're going to continue um, to be worried about how to act. But if you're consistent, mm. they're going to know that they have a safe space to really be themselves, to ask those questions and to reveal those vulnerable things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that consistency comes from knowing yourself as a pastor too, like knowing mm. what you're capable of committing to and not trying to overshoot or overpromise. Yeah. I think there's a bunch of pieces of this uh, when it comes to connecting with kids who are isolated, probably the most important thing to do as a youth pastor is know yourself mm. because you, I, I'll just say I, I, I tend to gravitate towards certain kids mm. and I will accidentally or subconsciously avoid other kids. Yeah. And I will naturally get along with some kids. And mm. so then I'll want to spend most of my time with those kids. And then I end up contributing to isolating other kids. Yeah. And so there's this, again, another balance of realizing, hey, these kids I get along with really well. And I'm going to want to spend my time with them. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of like talk in youth ministry um, world about like, you know, having a smaller group of people to pour mm -hmm. into. And there's a value in that that I agree with, uh, obviously, yeah. um, because you're here because you've been part of that for many years. And and and. Um, and we've kept a great connection because uh, because you were kind of in my my inner circle of students for a bunch of years. But at the same time, I want to make sure that I don't contribute to that isolation of other kids because I like you. Right. I want to pour into you and spend time with you. And I don't want to isolate another kid because of that. So uh, I, I do think reflecting on myself mm -hmm. and understanding myself, who am I attracted to? Who do I want to spend time with? Um, mm -hmm. Helps me key into who do I need to purposefully get over myself and push through the awkward um, for a few seconds to make sure every time we're together, uh, I'm connecting with some of those other kids mm -hmm. um, so that they don't end up on the fringe or on the outside or getting hurt worse by church, which often can happen. Hey, if you're listening and this is helpful to you, we want to equip you even more in your ministry. As a leader, helping hurting people can be really complicated. It's hard to know the right things to say or how to respond when difficult problems come up. For many of us, that self-reflection is really challenging to do on our own. And so talking to somebody else about what our transference or counter-transference issues are, what, what issues we're bringing to the table that affect the way we do ministry, it would be really helpful to have somebody to talk with about. And that's why RallyPoint has a coaching program. Every ministry leader has those difficult moments. And when you talk with a coach, you're going to be equipped with skills and experience you need to be really prepared. As a leader, you'll feel confident when it comes to those complicated or emergency situations and the hurting people around you will feel known and loved. For us, it's really about making a difference in the lives of hurting people. And we know that that starts by being prepared as a leader. 
You can sign up for an appointment and start a conversation with a coach today by visiting rallypointmen.com coaching. So Bobby, I think, you know, we've talked kind of generally about different tools or maybe methods that are really useful for all pastors, but I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about those, you know, really specific labels that sometimes, whether or not we should, we see in students and kind of how to target and speak to and connect with those students. So for example, let's talk about um, those kids who are, you know, a, a little socially awkward who say, I don't really know how to connect to others. How would you connect with that student? Yeah, the, um, there are definitely kids who struggle to connect with the group as a whole. I, I remember one one student in particular would interrupt me with like side conversations uh, while I was speaking to the rest of a group. That they, they would just sit there and interrupt or under their breath or whatever. And they thought it was funny, but nobody else thought it was funny. But I could see that nobody else thought it was funny and, and this student just that was like what they were attempting to do to connect with people and incidentally it was isolating them so anytime that i see a student doing something socially inappropriate that's actually causing them to get isolated as a youth pastor as a ministry leader what i've realized over time is i might be the only person who cares enough to tell them that that action, and I'm really specific about the action, uh, is socially uh, inappropriate. It's dividing them from the group, and I I think it's really compassionate to point it out in a in a like attempting to be helpful. So what I said to this student that was interrupting me was, "Hey, I know that you like me, and I like you, uh, but." When you interrupt me when I'm speaking, it makes me feel like you don't care about what I have to say. And I don't think you want me to think that. I don't think that mm. you're intending to make me think that or feel that. Uh, but that is what it's making me feel. And so I'd really love it if you would let me finish my sentences when I'm when I'm speaking and then make your jokes like later or, or measure how often you do it, maybe only once or twice when I'm talking and, and not every sentence when I'm mm. talking. And that student uh, got very serious with me um, when I when I said this to them, but later on came back and thanked me. And I think when it's done with a compassionate spirit, I was not mad. Uh, I, I really genuinely wanted the student co to connect with me and with everybody else in the group. And the student sensed that. And so I, th I think that was probably most helpful. Mm. Um, what about you, Noah? What do you, what, what do you do when you see a social, socially confusing situation when you have a kid who who, who maybe uh, is doing something that feels inappropriate what what have you experienced i mean the first thing i experience is you know saying kind of like you i try to acknowledge um the fact that you know what it may not be easy for me to connect with a student but i really want them to be here i'm glad they're here and so i try mm -hmm. to just posture myself in terms of i am grateful that they're choosing to come rather than I am, you know, apprehensive about having this conversation or dreading having this conversation because just posturing myself for me really helps me connect with kids I've seen. And then honestly, I, I, I do sort of a similar thing as you and I kind of say, you know, hey, I really appreciate the fact that you want to contribute or, mm. um, you know, you know, I'm glad that you're here. And honestly, mm -hmm. like 
We all really enjoy having you here, especially me. That's why I wanted to come over and talk with you. I appreciate everything that you're contributing, and I'm learning a lot from you. And I would really um, love to learn a lot from all the other kids too. And so uh, while I really appreciate what you're doing, I also would ask that maybe you would give other people some chances to speak Mm. to because you're contributing so much good stuff. I think that there's also other people who have some really good thoughts to contribute, and I'd like to learn from all of you. And so I Mm. think that one affirms them, two shows them that I want them to keep talking. It doesn't shut them down. But then three, it shows them that, you know, I also appreciate other members of the group yeah. that they are a part of. And so it even draws them into the group in that way, saying that your wisdom is a part of the wisdom of all of these mm-hmm. uh, students, and I'm eager to hear all of them. Mm-hmm. And so in order to hear all this wisdom that me and you can benefit from, maybe you could pull back a little bit so that we could hear from everybody. Yeah, And that starts to model what socially appropriate behavior is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about those students that you see who are kind of the more quiet students who say, I don't really want to talk about myself. I'm kind of here to listen, Mm. be present, and leave when you want to connect with them and and kind of have them engaged in conversation. Yeah, with the quieter kids, I think there's, uh, I think to me the critical piece is to go at their pace, but to make sure they feel noticed. So I want to if I notice a kid is really quiet and kind of self-isolating by being quiet, like they're usually physically present, but they don't want to speak a lot, I make sure to mention them every week. So every time I see them, I make sure they know I noticed them. But uh, I'm okay with letting a student go at their pace and and choose when Mm. to self-disclose. So I say something like that too. I'll just call that out. Hey, you don't have to share this week, but you're always welcome to. Mm. That's really valuable. Yeah, I think that's great because when you talk about consistency with students, that's a really simple way to be consistent is saying every single week, you know, I'm glad you're here. I know you don't want to talk. I'm ready when you are ready. But until then, I'm just thankful to to have you here participate in the conversation. That's really good. Uh, shifting gears a bit, what do you do for those students who talk all the time, who um, are super smart and you know, really want to be a part of the conversation, but maybe hog it by talking about themselves all the time or trying to prove that they're maybe more informed or better uh, than the other students in the group. Yeah. Again, I would put this into the category of socially inappropriate stuff. So it's going to come down to calling it out, naming it. Mm. Mm. But it is, uh, I don't think I start there. I usually build rapport. I, I wow, like I, I see that you know a lot about this or you've done some research. That's that's pretty amazing. Is this something that you find fascinating? Are there is this like a category thing? You like everything from the Bible or you like everything from that uh, news channel or you like everything from whatever it is that they're trying to prove that they know more about everybody else? Um, I usually try to build rapport by connecting over the, the thing. Mm. Uh, and then I, I, similar to what we talked about with, with the socially socially inappropriate behavior, I say like, hey, it's really important to hear from everybody. And when you talk uh, w- more than your share, so everybody, you know, say there's there's five people in a group, everybody should get a chance to talk 20% of the time. And mm. you've been talking 80% of the time. So it really, uh, it, it'd, be, it'd be appropriate and helpful if we could get everybody up to, up to their fair share of the verbal space. Hmm. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's really valuable. And I think the thing I really appreciate about that student in particular is they're so willing to share what they're interested in. And mm -hmm. so if you just start asking them questions, um, usually the reason they want to talk and prove that they're smart is because they are smart and they have a lot to say. And it's really mm -hmm. easy to build that rapport and create that connection by just saying, yeah. hey, I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say about this thing and hearing what you're passionate about. And, uh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's really a helpful student to have in your group because a lot of times it'll be the reverse struggle. Like I can't get my group to talk and remembering <laughs> yeah. that this kid loves to talk. I just start by yeah. asking them. Just always go <laughs> yeah. to them. They'll get us started. Absolutely. They're the touch point for sure. Yeah. Well, I think there's one other student that I, uh, that I really gravitate towards because I think it's an interesting social construction. And that is, and I think you mentioned it earlier, the sympathetic romance student. <laughs> And that's the student who comes mainly just because they have a crush or they're dating somebody in the youth group. And I was just curious, mm -hmm. how do you engage that person where it, they're really only coming for one reason and that reason is a person and then they really don't intend to ever come back because they're not really interested in what you're offering at church. Yeah. I think it's really helpful to have clear expectations when that happens. I, I've seen it go really, really well where uh, a couple will come, maybe one will missionary date the other and bring mm. somebody uh, into the group. That's right, and get them yoked. I, I have on many occasions seen that other person come to faith. And and so uh, I have never been one of the youth pastors like, you shouldn't date before you're this age. I, mm. I kind of have been more of the perspective, I want to be a part of the conversation. So I'm going to mm. let you do what you want to do and then talk with you and get you thinking about it. Um, with our regroup program with kids who are hurting, we always had the clear expectation, you're welcome to come dating, but if you break up, one of you has to uh, step out of the group and, you mm -hmm. know, for a certain amount of time so yeah. that the other person can still process. Yeah. Or if you come as singles and you start dating, we'd have one person step out of the group for a time. So like the mm -hmm. change of relationship within the regroup group, uh, it, it affected um, sharing like hard things so much that we would say, if you change relationship status, we're going to have one of you take a season out. Mm -hmm. And we made that really clear in our actual group covenant. Um, and I, we wouldn't do that with youth group, with our main youth group. I wouldn't have the same rule, uh, but I would probably break them. I would split them up into different groups or with the breakup or the get together, yeah. uh, just because that, that dynamic change can really affect the way everybody else shares. And so I'd, I'd put it in the context of safety for the whole group. Yeah, no, that's valuable. I think that's something that, uh, you know, it's strange because you do see it so often. And yet it's something that when we think about types of students in youth group, I rarely hear it talked about. So that's valuable. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. There's a couple of these kind of groups of students that um, that I think as we've talked in this episode, I, I'm feeling inspired that we need to just do whole episodes. So we've mentioned kids with disabilities really quickly, and we mentioned um, kids from different ethnic and racial backgrounds. Mm -hmm. I think both of those conversations need full episodes to be honored well. Um, so, so I think if you're okay with it, uh, I think we should engage with those, but on a uh, give a, give the whole give the whole episode to each of those episodes and maybe bring in bring in some uh, some people with more firsthand experience yeah uh, into those as well on, maybe on the yeah. other side of it yeah well you know I I think as we're coming to a close here I think there's a lot of things we've discussed in this conversation but a couple of things I've heard you say and that I think we've agreed is that joining the team of an isolated student is a really valuable way 
to connect with them. And whatever that looks like, whether they're rebellious or quiet or um, talk a lot or socially awkward, being able to go over there, uh, breed some vulnerability with them by being vulnerable and then get them on your team is important. And um, just to make sure that, you know, we keep track as pastors and leaders ourselves of who we gravitate towards um, so that when those students are in there, find strength in connecting with them, but also when we see students who we don't naturally gravitate towards, we can intentionally pursue them with consistency. Hey, if you've enjoyed listening today, uh, we've got something else we'd love to share with you. It's a handout that lists a couple of suggestions for connecting with isolated students that we've discussed today. To get that resource, go to rallypointmen.com slash podcast and subscribe with your email. You'll get a link where you can download this resource and get others that we've created just for you. If you already are an email subscriber, the link to this resource is already in your inbox. And if you like what you heard today, please rate or review this podcast. By doing that, you'll help other leaders find this resource and others like it, and they will find help becoming prepared leaders as well. And also, we want to hear from you. Tell us how this helps you or what challenges you're facing that we could cover in an upcoming episode. You can do that by sending us an email to hello at rallypointmin.com. Thanks for listening and join us next week.